those we're looking this morning, we're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 21. And so we've been pen- spending uh, the past several weeks in between Luke chapter 2 and Luke chapter uh, and Matthew chapter 1 as we've been looking at the chronological order of the birth narrative. And so today, you know, as we, we look at this, Jesus has been born as we're going to see here uh, again uh, this morning. Jesus has been born and now he is being presented. Last week we looked at the fact that uh, they had to go to uh, Jerusalem and that was uh, the, the prophesied uh, plan of God for Jesus to be born there in, uh, in Bethlehem, rather. And so as we look here in the Word of God, we find here that God's promises continue uh, to be fulfilled time after time after time. So when we look here in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 21, it's a text of Scripture that we we don't often look at when we think about the birth story of Jesus Christ. We don't often think about uh, this man by the name of Simeon. In fact, we don't really even know anything about this man named Simeon other than a little bit that we find here in the Word of God. That's really all we know about Simeon. We, do, we don't know, uh, the history doesn't record who he was, and the Bible just gives us a very brief description of who this man Simeon is. And so as we look here in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 21, the Bible Bible says right here, and when eight days had been pa- had passed before the circumc- his circumcision, his name was called Jesus, and the name given to him by uh, the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of their purification, according to the law of Moses, was completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice is according to uh, what was said in, in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and a man, he was a, this was a righteous man and a devout man looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit and in the t- into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to carry him out uh, for the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now the Lord, you are, re- you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which, was, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, and the light of revelation and the glory, uh, to the, the light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. So as we take a look at this text of Scripture, here it is that, that uh, Mary and Joseph, they are being good Jews, they're being faithful Jews, they're being devout Jews, and they are doing uh, exactly what is according to the custom uh, of God's law. And here it is, that as we see Jesus, first of all, as he's eight days old, uh, and when he's eight days old, he was circumcised. As every good Jewish family would do, they would circumcise their, mar- their, 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 their child, and at that time, we also discover that his name was given to him and we also find that as a custom we find that when it comes to John the Baptist just flip back one chapter and we find it there in in, uh, Luke chapter 1 as uh, John the Baptist was given his name John even though the crowds were wanting to name him Zacharias they said no his name shall be called John and so also the apostle Paul tells us that he being a good Jew the good Jew that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews that 
he was. He was circumcised on the eighth day. It's also when his name uh, would have been given to him. And so when we look at this text of Scripture, we find something interesting here. It says that on this eighth day, uh, when, when it passed before, uh, when, when this time had passed uh, before a circumcision, his name was then called Jesus. His name was called Jesus. And this was very important, his name, because, you know, uh, in, in biblical days, when a name was given to somebody, it was, it, it was who they were. It was a representation of who they were. Their, their name meant something. It wasn't just a name like, you know, sometimes when uh, 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 somebody finds out they're expecting a child, they might get on Google or something like that and find, you know, popular names or maybe unpopular names, you know, names that are unusual names or all sorts of different names to try to figure out well, what are they going to name their child or maybe they're uh, naming them after naming the child after a relative or their names represented who they were they were prophetic in a sense of who they were we find this with uh, with, with with Simon and here it was we find in Matthew uh, chapter 16 uh, in the word of God that Jesus said to his disciples he said who do men say that I am and so they said well you know they say all kinds of things about you some of them say that uh, you're, you're John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. Some of them say you're a prophet. They say you're you know, good old boy. They say you know, all kinds of different things that they say about them. And so then Jesus turned to them and said, Who do you say that I am? And Simon said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus then turned to Simon. He said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. See, here it was that Simon was the very first one that openly professed his faith in Jesus Christ. And so what did Jesus do? Jesus renamed Simon at that time to Peter. He renamed him Peter. And so as, as we look at that, it's very important. He is a, a rock. Now, he wasn't the foundation stone. Jesus is the foundation stone. But he was simply a layer that was being put upon that foundation stone. Peter understood that because Peter tells us in 1 Peter that we are living stones being built upon what? The very chief cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. So Peter's not the chief cornerstone. Jesus is the chief cornerstone and so here it is that we understand that the very name Jesus is extraordinarily important his name is very very important in fact we look at a Hebrew version of his name his name is Yeshua and you know when we, we understand and we recognize what that name means what that name is all about it literally means Yahweh saves or the Lord saves that's literally the name of Jesus Christ that the Lord saves amen his name is all about about salvation. So just as we heard that monologue, we, we have the perfect gift of salvation. Salvation in the very person of Jesus Christ. Absolute fulfillment. His name is the absolute fulfillment of who he is that the Lord, Yahweh saves. That's who Jesus Christ is. Now some people say that we have to say Yeshua otherwise there's no power in his name. We take away the power of his name if we don't say it in the Hebrew form, friend, it's not about the name itself. It's about the very person. In fact, I'm reminded of a time uh, several years ago, we took a church group. I think we were in Nebraska at that time. And so, you know, believe it or not, 
Dale and I found a Mexican restaurant, amen? And so we found this Mexican restaurant. We decided to go up into this Mexican restaurant. We had a whole church group uh, full of folks with us, and so we all pile up in there on our way to doing this uh, mission trip that we're on our way to doing. So we get in there, and as we all get our bill, everybody gets their bill, one of the ladies sitting directly across from me, she said, Brother Rusty, this must be a Christian establishment. I said, well, why do you say that? She said, it says on the bottom of the bill, it says, thank you, Jesus. And I said, well, it may be a Christian establishment, but Jose, or, uh, 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 or uh, Jesus, rather, your waiter is standing directly behind you, and Jesus is waiting for your bill. Amen? And so Jesus had no power in his name because he, he is not the Savior. Amen? And so as we begin to recognize who Jesus is, Jesus is the Savior. Jesus was born into this world to save his people from his sins. That is a very thing that that the angel told Joseph in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21 that he was born to save his people from their sins he was born to be the savior behold there has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord that is what the angels told the shepherds when they were out in the field by night he is a savior he is Christ the Lord and so as we recognize Jesus is is the absolute perfection of salvation. He was born of a virgin. Being born of a virgin, he had no sin. He was was not born into sin. And who is his father? God is his father. Joseph is not his father. Joseph was simply his stepfather that took the very important task, the very important role of raising him as his own son. But even right here in this text, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 20, it says, then when the eighth day had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, who was responsible for naming the child? It was the father's responsibility for naming the child. And Joseph didn't speak out and say, well, his name's going to be Jesus. No, here it says that the angel told Joseph, giving word of what the father said that his son is going to be named and his son is going to be named Jesus Yeshua Yahweh saves amen so as we look at the importance of the name of Jesus we recognize that his very name points to the very fact of who he is the savior of all of the world in acts chapter 4 verse 12 it says the word of god says right here and there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved there's no other name no other name that is given by which we must be saved other than the name of jesus now fact is jesus has Many names, as we sang that wonderful song earlier, Emmanuel. The angel did say as his name shall be called Emmanuel. He is wonderful. He is counselor. He is mighty God. God has many names, but as we see the proper name here, the proper name of Jesus is Jesus. He is the Savior of the world. And so this all took place on the eighth day, as we read here in the Word of God. And we skip on down to verse 22. And in verse 22, what we discover here, it says, And when the days of the purification according to the law of Moses 
were complete, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, you would think that this also took place on the eighth day because Luke doesn't really specify exactly when this took place, but they were doing things according to the law of the Lord. And so as they were doing things according to the law of the Lord, circumcision uh, took place on the eighth day. The name uh, was given then. And so what we find in the law of the Lord, according to, uh, to Leviticus chapter 12, when would this take place? This would take place when the baby was 40 days old. And so you don't see that here in Luke. Luke wasn't really uh, emphasizing that, but we do see that in the law of God. So in between verse 21 and verse 22, uh, we start off with Jesus being eight days old, and now all of a sudden Jesus is 40 days old. And so we need to recognize that that transition has taken place. We also see a, a few other instances there in verse 21 that would have taken place uh, within their home or where they were at, whether they were still there at the stable or whether they were in a home uh, by that time. We're not, we're not exactly sure, but it would have taken place there in Bethlehem. Somewhere in Bethlehem was where that would have taken place. But in verse 22, the Bible says, And they brought him up to Jerusalem. They brought him up to Jerusalem. And so they, as they brought him up to Jerusalem, they, they brought him there for the specific reason of presenting him to the Lord. And so where did they bring him to? They brought him to Jerusalem for the purpose of bringing him to the temple so that that ceremony could take place. Amen. And so as we recognize this, here it is that Jesus is 40 days old. They did this to fulfill the law, as we see in verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer sacrifices according to what was uh, said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And so here, twice, the law of the Lord is mentioned. Amen. Again, we find that in Leviticus chapter 12. We find it perfectly laid out right there. All of the things that must take place uh, for that firstborn male child that is holy unto the Lord. And so there it was that they, came, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem. They presented him to the Lord there at the temple. They fulfilled the law of the Lord even as a baby. Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law. He is the only one that perfectly fulfilled the law. He kept every single aspect of the law. He alone did that. You and I have not done that. There is not a single person that has done that. Abraham did didn't even do that. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and that was credited to him as righteousness. What is that? Abraham's faith. Amen. Because even Abraham sinned against God. And so when we recognize and understand that it is only by faith that we're saved, we're saved by the one who perfectly fulfilled the law, and the purpose for him perfectly fulfilling the law was to go to the cross of Calvary, and as he went to the cross of Calvary, the Word of God tells us that it is the wages of sin, that is uh, the, that, that, the death that is the wages of sin, we find that in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, you and I, we have all sinned. So if you and I 
pay for our own sin, we're going to be paying for that sin in eternal death for all eternity in that lake of fire. But he who had no sin became sin for you and for me. And when Jesus went to the cross, listen, death had no hold upon Jesus Christ because Jesus was perfect in every single way, shape, and form. He didn't inherit his sin from his father because his father is God who is absolutely perfect. Mary and Joseph being righteous, they fulfilled all of the law for him as a child. Jesus, as he continued to grow and continued to mature, was the only man that ever lived that fulfilled all of the law. Get interested. Uh, I, I get uh, uh, kind of amused, I guess you could say, by folks that say, we're no longer saved by law, we're saved by grace. No one was ever saved by the law. Amen? Because no one has ever kept the law. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. If you say you have no sin, you are a liar, and the truth is not in you. But Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law born perfect, continued to live that perfect life, that life that you and I could not live for the very reason of being the Savior of all mankind. He's the only one that could do it. No one else could be the Savior of the world other than Jesus Christ Himself. So as they brought Jesus up there to the temple to fulfill the law and to do their duty and present that firstborn male child that is holy unto the Lord that presented him to God. The word of God then tells us there in verse 25, it says, And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And all we know about Simeon is what this verse tells us about Simeon, that this was a a man, he was a righteous and devout man. So we recognize that that's who Simeon was. He was a righteous and devout man. He was looking for the consolation of Israel. And so we'll get more into that in just a moment. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. So he was a righteous and devout man. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And he was looking for the consolation of Israel. Why was he looking for the consolation of Israel? It says in verse 26 that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, who is the Lord's Christ? The Lord's Christ is the Messiah. Amen? He is the Messiah. He is the consolation of in Israel. So as we recognize, what does that mean? He's the consolation of Israel. He, he is the, the, the uh, comforter of Israel. That's, that's exactly what that word means. It means comforter. And we know that Jesus is the comforter. We know that Jesus is the very one who was prophesied to come. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the 
very anointed one of God. In fact, when we see in Luke chapter 1, and we see there that uh, as John the Baptist was being named, we recognize that Zacharias began to prophesy, began to prophesy about who this Christ was and who this Christ was to be. We find in uh, uh, Luke chapter 1, in uh, beginning in verse 60, uh, 68, it says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited us and accomplished redemption for His people. And He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, His servant. He has spoken by the mouth of His holy prophets of old salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy towards our father, fathers and to remember His holy covenant, the oath which He swore to Abraham our father, and to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve Him without fear." Now, Zacharias was thinking like the rest of the Jews. They didn't fully understand it. They didn't fully get it. They were thinking of a, 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 of a new earthly kingdom that was being established. They were thinking of the Messiah as coming in as a new earthly king. But Jesus himself said that my kingdom is not of this world. Amen? It's not of this world. It's not an earthly kingdom. Of course, it's on this earth. We're on this earth. If you're a child of God, you're in the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is within the hearts of men. That's where the kingdom of God is. But one thing he did get right, he said a couple of times there that he's come to be the Savior. And here it is that Simeon, he understood it. He knew it. Look, he said there in Luke chapter 2 and verse 30, he said, My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. He said, I have seen your salvation. And guess what? You didn't do this in secret. No, you've prepared him in, in the broad, open daylight in front of all of the people. And he's not just for Israel, he's a light of revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. So as we recognize this, we see that Simeon understood at least a little bit of who Jesus was going to be, and he is going to be the Savior. And so as Simeon was there on that day and he sees Jesus, he understands immediately Probably the second he heard his name, boy, his spirit just lit up. The Holy Spirit just lit him on fire within him. And he all of a sudden realized and recognized and understood who this was, this little 40-day-old infant that had no power on his own as you would look at him had no prestige on his own as you would look at him. His parents were poor. They come from a poor place. But yet he is the King of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. And he will be the Savior of all the earth. Now when Simeon saw him, the Word of God tells us what he did. It says in verse 27, it says, And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when he 
when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. A few things he did right here. The very first thing we see that he came into the temple that day in the Spirit. Here was a man that walked in the Spirit. He talked in the Spirit. He breathed in the Spirit. He lived. In the Spirit. Friends, if you're somebody that knows Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we need to be men and women that walk in the Spirit of God. Amen? That, that we need to be men and women that are not drunk on wine, but we're full of the Holy Spirit and allow Him to have absolute control of our everyday life that we walk in the Spirit of God. Because here it was at Simeon on this day. It, it, how many times did he walk into the temple? Every single day. This was an everyday routine of his life. And how many of us get caught up in the everyday routine of life? Here we're doing the same old thing we did yesterday. We did the day before. We did the day before that. And we're continuing to walk in this routine. But Simeon refused just to walk in an earthly routine. He walked in the Spirit of the Lord. And because he walked in the Spirit of the Lord, when he saw that baby, that nobody else really saw what was within him and who he was in his fullness, he knew because he walked in the Spirit of God. As Christians, friends, how many opportunities do we miss of worship? How many opportunities do we miss of service? How many opportunities do we miss of being men and women of God because our eyes are focused upon the things of this world and even in the everyday mundane routine, the ways of life, we're not walking in the Spirit of God. Amen? But He was walking in the Spirit of God. And he knew immediately, there he is. Oh, there he is. That's not an ordinary baby. That's not an ordinary child. How many children did Simeon see, those firstborn male children that come through the temple and he did dedication after dedication after dedication. And no doubt, every single one of them would have been special to him because every single child is a blessing from God. Amen. Not just the firstborn male children, but every child is a blessing from God. The Word of God very clearly tells us that. And so no doubt, this would have been an exciting thing for him that he would have loved doing especially if he was in the spirit, amen, and walking in the spirit of these special children. But there's something extra special about this baby. He took him in his arms. And the Bible says he blessed the Lord. What does that mean? Oh, he just praised God, amen? He gave God all of the praise and the honor and the glory that he so rightly deserved. We need to be men and women of praise. Sometimes we think that we come to church to praise God, and we should. But we ought to be praising God every single day of our lives. Amen? 
every single day, every single moment, we need to be praising God through everything. The Bible says give thanks for all things. Amen? For all things. We need to be giving thanks to God. We need to be giving praise to God, but especially for Jesus. All oh, the devil, he tries so hard to get us sidetracked and to get us distracted on what Christmas is all about. It's all about all this other stuff. It's all about Jesus. It always has been and it always will be, even if the devil succeeds in getting us distracted on the subject. It's all about Jesus. We need to give him praise. We need to give him honor. We need to give him glory. But one thing that I really see in this text of Scripture is we see verse 29. He said, now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. God, you did exactly what you said you're going to do. How many of you know he always does? Amen? He doesn't sometimes do what he says he's going to do. He always does what he says he's going to do. And the Holy Spirit told Simeon, you're not going to see death until you see the Messiah. Until you see the Christ. Until you see the consolation of Israel. All and every day he was waiting. He was waiting on the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for that promise of God to come to fulfillment. And he had no doubt. There was no doubt in his mind that day was going to come. God said it. It's done. Not just that it's going to be done one of these days. It's done. Listen, the second coming of Jesus Christ is done. You say, well, Jesus hasn't come back yet. No, he hasn't come back yet. But it's done. Why? Because God said it. Amen? So it's done. We haven't seen it yet, but it's done. Your salvation is done. Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Have you been saved? Have you been bought with the blood of the Lamb? Have you been sealed in the Holy Spirit of God? Well then, friends, it's done. You are saved. You are heaven bound. You're not there yet. But it's done. Amen? God said it. God sealed it. It's done. Now, God doesn't just save us, then all of a sudden immediately rapture us into heaven. No. He still has work for us to do. He still had work for Simeon to do. But when that promise came through, Simeon saw the consolation of Israel. Jesus, that 40-day-old baby. Nobody else saw anything special about him. Mary was probably still a little bit confused, and Joseph was probably still a little bit confused, and they didn't understand it all. And that's okay if we don't understand it all. God still has it. Amen? Simeon probably didn't understand it all, but that's okay. 
something special about this child. Simeon said, I can go in peace now. Lord, you can take me home. Now my life has been fulfilled. It's not going to get any better than this. Amen? Did the Lord immediately take Simeon after that? No. And we have no idea how long he lived after that. Could have lived many, many years after that. We don't know. But the simple truth is nothing is better than this right here. I have seen the consolation of Israel. You could take me home now. Not going to get any better than this. And I'll go in peace. Because your work has been fulfilled. For those of you today who have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've been saved, you've been sealed in the Holy Spirit, and to the day of redemption, you are heaven bound. Not going to get any better than that. You could get a billion dollars dropped in your account right here, right now, today. Not going to get any better than the fact that you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You may not have physically seen him up on that day. You saw him by faith with your spiritual eyes and your spiritual heart. You have that peace that he's right here. Doesn't matter what else takes place from here to then. Lord, you could take me now. Now he still has work for you. He still has work for me. And as long as he does, he's going to keep us here. But the day you decide to take me, I'll go in peace because I know your son, Jesus. I know who he is. I know what he's done. I know who he did it for. He did it for me. And who am I? Just an old wretched sinner that has sinned against God in so many ways. But yet by grace, I'm saved. Because it's not by anything that I have done. By everything that he has done. And I simply put my faith and my trust in him. Consolation of Israel. The Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus the Lord saves. Amen. Are you saved today? Do you know that you're saved today? Do you know that you know that you know that you're saved today? Is that peace in your heart? If not, friend, listen, I got saved December the 26th of 1996. So tomorrow is my spiritual birthday. 
I don't regret a minute of it. Amen? Not a minute of it. Do you know that you're saved today? If you do, are you serving him to the full capacity that he's called you to? Are you walking in the spirit of the Lord? Right now as our praise team makes their way up this direction and everybody stands. As everybody stands this morning, if you don't know that you know that you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior this morning, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You know, that's the single greatest verse in the Bible about Christmas. God loved you enough to give you His Son. And he did everything that he needed to do for you to be saved. All you need to do is believe in him. Put your faith in him. Trust in him. If you've not done that, friend, when you come today and receive the greatest gift that you can ever receive, the gift of eternal life. Any other decisions on your heart, this altar is open. I'm here for you. Be glad to pray with you. But as God stirs in your heart, you come as He leads. He